The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care. With guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Meryl Griff. Welcome to Caught Between Generations. I am Dr. Meryl, and I'm so happy that you are spending time with us today. We know as a caregiver how busy you are and overwhelmed you are. Um, And so thank you for deciding to share your time with us today. I'm here with my beautiful and lovely co-host, Deanna Albrecht. Hi. And we're here also today with Linda Duxbury, and she comes to us from Canada, so we're especially thrilled that she decided to spend uh, her time with us today. Uh, Linda is the author of Something's Got to Give, and her book is based on information gathered from uh, a study, a very extensive study that she did, where she highlighted the challenges of caregivers and employees. You know, this whole issue of balancing work and caregiving is, is just critical, and as the number of caregivers continues to increase and we know the reported losses um, that businesses are suffering from having caregivers that are employees either come in late, leave early, or they're just not as productive um, as they've been in the past is a critical uh, issue. And so we're very, very pleased to welcome Linda with us today. Thanks very much. (laughs) Linda, um, I'm curious, why did you decide to focus on caregivers in the workplace rather than caregiving in general? Um, so I teach actually at a business school. So most of the people who do research in this area are not business school professors. But uh, we haven't been able to get much traction in terms of moving forward. And a lot of times that's because the people who've done the research on this topic are gerontologists, or their uh, nurses, social workers, whatever, and they don't talk the language of business. So you have to actually make it a business imperative that they change. My experience after working in the area of work life for, oh, God, more than almost 25 years is that organizations don't change for moral reasons. They don't change because people are stressed and unhappy, but they will change if you can show them that the fact that their employees are stressed and unhappy will actually cost them money and affect their bottom line. Mm, That's good. You have a quote in your book that says um, there are four types of people in this world, those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, and those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers. Absolutely. Uh, That's uh, Carter. Yeah. And I think that's true. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's very, I think it's it's very very accurate um, from Rosalind Carter. Yes, but so, I think I think what's important to realize though is that people can choose whether or not to have children, and in fact, many people with a more educated, high-income people are choosing not to. But you can't choose whether or not to have a parent, and most of us love our parents, and most of us, when our parents are aging and they need us, want to be there for them. So that's the fundamental difference, of course, between child care and elder care. Well, I think you're right. I think the only thing I would expand is I think that people always think about caregiving for seniors um, as caregiving for parents. And actually, we see in our Saracure centers uh, a, a large percentage of uh, caregivers for seniors who are taking care of spouses um, because we're seeing the age where people have strokes or um, even early dementia is really, we're seeing people in their 50s now. Um, And so we're seeing a lot of spouses, uh, husbands taking care of wives and vice versa. Um, And that's also impacting the workplace Mm -hmm. because many of these people are full-time working caregivers. So So after the book that you've got right now, we did another big study uh, funded by... um, neurogenitive diseases, so Alzheimer's, and uh, we were looking specifically at balancing work and caregiving of somebody with Alzheimer's. What we found, though, is people say what you say, which is a lot of people are in the workforce and looking after a spouse who's got dementia. In the last survey that we did, and we have about 6,000 people, I think it was less than 2%. And I think it's because in many cases that partner just leaves the workplace. That's interesting. They, you think it's because they, they actually leave, so they can't continue working anymore? I think, um, well, I, I either that or they're just not as prevalent in society as we think, because we simply didn't get very many, because uh, we deliberately put in a question, are you caring for your partner, and does your partner have dementia? And we, because we wanted to look at them, quite frankly, they're a group that are really under-researched, but we didn't get that many. So, on the other hand, you say that the demand for caregiving uh, is projected to increase. Oh, um, dramatically. Is that based just on that people are living longer, or what is that based on? Um, it's based on a whole bunch of stuff. Now, in some ways, it might be slightly different in Canada, but let me, let me go through the reasons. First of all, people are living a lot longer, uh, which is the, the primary reason. Not only are they living longer, they're, getting, they're more likely to have chronic disease, which isn't enough to hospitalize them, but it does require that somebody help them look after them, etc., So then the need for caregiving is also going to increase because the birth rate has gone down and has been going down for over 50 years. So we have more old people and fewer young people. And, in fact, the Canadian census that just came out a month ago says that for the first time in history, in Canadian history, we've got more people above 65 than under 15 in our country. And you're seeing similar trends in the United States. Uh, And, in fact, all of Europe, et cetera, this is... is, um, This is a big one. Now, in Canada, we prefer to have our people. So a health care policy is we want people to age in their homes, age in their community, which is wonderful if the supports follow that, that urge. 
But we find that governments talk about uh, people aging at home and aging in the community, but the supports for caregivers to help them look after their aging parents simply aren't there. So Meals on Wheels, uh, paratranspo, a whole bunch of different things simply aren't there. So all of those trends, when you put them together, are really contributing to this, I call it the tsunami of demographic change when I talk about it up here. Linda, if you had to um, give a snapshot of the common workplace caregiver in Canada, what would he or she look like? Well, you probably read the profiles. Um, <laughs> so, and there's no, there's no common one. That's the unfortunate thing. But there's two main subgroups. So I have one group of caregivers that are only doing elder care. They're only caring for an elderly dependent, be that uh, a parent. Usually, my data says it's usually your mother because women outlive men, or it could be your mother-in-law. Uh, so you've got, and, and what was interesting is the people who were caring for older people, they were either grandchildren, so they'd never gotten married and they didn't have children, or they were people in their 50s and 60s whose children had left the nest and they were caring for an elderly dependent. But then we have this other group as well, which are the sandwich generation. So these are people who've delayed having children. Oh, I forgot that. It's the reason why it's going to increase. Because people in Canada now <laughs> are having their, uh, their first child 30-31. And uh, so what you're seeing is that people are having children older. When they're having their children older, their parents are also older, which is really created this group that we call the sandwich generation that has both child care and elder care. And some of these people, by the way, have one or two children, and the number of elderly dependents that they're looking after outnumber the number of children that they've got. So you've got two kids, your mother and father, and your mother-in-law and your father-in-law. So, so those are the two main groups. Yeah, it's something that um, actually it's the premise for the show um, mm-hmm. because we we see a lot of people who are taking care of children or grandchildren. Sometimes they have full responsibility for grandchildren in addition to parents and um, partners um, or spouses. And so, you know, our feeling was, you know, it, you can't listen to Four different blogs. Well, if you're Deanna, you can listen to eight different blogs. She's really good at that. But she's much younger than I am. Um, but the but those of us who are a little older just find it difficult to listen to multiple um, blogs at a time. So we were trying to be that kind of one-stop shop uh, for, mm-hmm. for resources. Um, By the way, just it, so you know, we call the people who look after both their parents, they have their children move back in with them, and grandchildren, we call them the clubhouse sandwich. The so clubhouse not, sandwich? The clubhouse sandwich. They're not just a sandwich. <laughs> they're definitely, <laughs> they're, they're a clubhouse. They've got more than one layer, the, you know, and, and those particular people are incredibly stressed, but I don't see them as stressed as people who are just in the sandwich generation. That's They've interesting. Got the, They've got why, the joy why? of their grandchildren. 
Yes, I am a grandmother. I can relate to that. Yes, it's one. It's just wonderful. It's just like all that pressure and primary responsibility is off of you, and you're not taking care of them usually all the time. So you can say, "Oh, sure, you could have another cookie." Go <laughs> have that chocolate Russian. Go home. Yes. So they they're definitely not in the same category as the sandwich generation because they have the offset pleasure of their grandchildren. Right. So actually you were talking about, you know, daughters and daughter-in-law. So Linda, why do you think that more women are caregivers? Well, again, we've got to be very careful on that generalization too, because my data says that it really depends on the generational cohort we're looking at. So if we're looking at baby boomers, yes, you're going to find the women are more likely to be doing the caregiving. But if you're looking at Gen X, people 35 to 45, you're finding that there are no gender differences, that men are just as likely to be doing everything as women. And... That's in Canada, where the United States has a slightly different situation. You've got a much more demographically complex situation. We've got a huge middle class. Most of our people uh, have good education and good incomes. Whereas in the United States, it's a very bimodal population, where you've got half of the group with good education and good incomes, and the other half uh, are more challenged. So in Canada, though... When women are making the same amount of money as men, the, it's not as easy to go, well, dear, it's your job. Because uh, up here, people say, hello, big fella, you know, <laughs> chip in. It's not, I'm not, you're not babysitting when they're yours. This is your mother. So it's very different. We're seeing a real social change in our younger well, populations. Well, on those, on those words from Linda Duxbury, I love it. Okay, big fellow, chip in. <laughs> Those are great. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Linda uh, about caregiver strength. Stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. How's your husband now that he can't quite take care of himself? Or how's your wife now that getting around isn't as easy as it used to be? You'd know if your spouse was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities, a full day of customized activities and their home by dinner, and nursing care that's right there with them. How's your spouse? Just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Try it for free. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Where's your mom? What's she doing? You'd know if she was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know she's enjoying a full day of activities program just for her interests, like art classes, volunteering, pet care, and card club. And she's home by dinner. 
And what's different is that Sarah Care actually has nursing care right there with her, so you'd know. Try one free day of care at Sarah Care. Call 330-451-6108. How's your mom? She's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I'm Dr. Merrill, and I'm here with Deanna Albrecht, and we're here with our guest, Linda Duxbury, who is the author of Something's Got to Give. And we've been having a great conversation um, about the differences between caregiving in Canada and uh, the United States and how caregiving, regardless of where it is in the world, is impacting people, and it especially is impacting employers uh, and their relationships relationships with their employees. Uh, Linda, mm-hmm. this is Deanna. So how has the shift in healthcare impacted caregiving from your perspective? Well, the the situation with respect to healthcare in Canada is fundamentally different than with respect to healthcare in the United States. So for uh-huh. your listeners, we've got free healthcare. It's socialized uh, healthcare. Um, it it's paid for through our taxes. And so I think that is a security blanket, if you will, for a lot of people in terms of the caregiving situation. When your elderly dependent gets ill and ends up in hospital, so my father is 97. He would be sent to hospital because of a fall probably once a month. But I don't have any worry about that. I know he's going to go. I know his family doctor is going to be informed. I know it's not going to cost me anything. I don't worry about how long he's there, what they want to do, what tests, etc. So that's one less stress for a Canadian caregiver than an, an American caregiver, that we don't have to worry about the cost of care. I think. The other thing Uh that Canada has that the United States does not have is a thing called compassionate care leave, which is you're in the workforce. So we've got maternity leave, so we've got paid parental leave, actually. They don't call it maternity anymore. And you're entitled to a year off work with uh, 60% of your pay. Well, they've also added at the other end of life a thing called compassionate care leave. So if an immediate family member, so that's defined as uh, your husband, that's defined as your parents or your parents-in-law are ill, you're entitled to six weeks off work, your job protected, and you get the same amount of money as maternity leave. So, again, that's one less stress and more flexibility. And you know you're not sacrificing your job uh, or you're not in any worry of getting fired if, if, something, if something happens. And you guys specialize in elder care and you know that something could happen. That's the problem. Once they get over 75, we call them the fragile elderly because they might be well on Monday, break a hip on Wednesday, be in hospital on Friday, and we don't know if they're going to make it, and then next Monday we're checking them out. So that's 
I think that's a fundamental difference between Canada and the United States. And yet still, even with that buffer, uh, all my Canadians who are trying to balance work and elder care, and particularly those who are balancing work, child care, and elder care, are totally stressed. And they're, and they're stressed, do you think, by the caregiver tasks? What, what, where do you think is the source of the stress? Well, from the book, you know, I had all kinds of ideas. So I come at this from, um, I'm a business prof, and I've studied work and child care and balancing work and children for decades, two decades. When I came into it from elder care, I was kind of expecting it's time and role that really made a difference. But it is not so much time and role, it's the emotions of caregiving. It's the roller coaster of caregiving that, you know, the uncertainty of caregiving that is the real stressor. It's phoning your parents, but only being on the phone for 15 minutes. But after that call, they didn't really understand you. You didn't know what they ate. You don't know if they're looking after themselves. You don't know if they're... T- it, so it's not time. It's emotional turmoil that really, in my opinion, and from my research, sets off elder care apart from child care. Do you, do you see an issue with long-distance caregiving in Canada? Oh, God, yes. Um, so Canada, just like the United States, is a very big country, and we have a lot of people who were born elsewhere and now live in our country. So we actually ask people, where does the person that you're caring for live? Do they live with you? Do they live nearby? Do they live within a a couple of hours' drive, or do they live a flight away? And uh, the sweet spot for, for your listeners is don't have them live with you, (laughs) <laughs> but don't have them live really far away. Have them live in your community, a place that you can get to in 10, 15 minutes. That's kind of ideal. But we have a lot of more people care for people who do not live in their community than live in their community. And and so how do they handle that situation? So if you lived in Toronto and your mother lived in Vancouver, I mean, that's a long distance. How would you handle that? So that's, very, that's part of the stressor. So you would call. You would try, as a Canadian, to buy a service that would be helpful in terms of looking after your parents. It's the reassurance that we need that our parent who's alone, uh, and, you know, because what the other partner has died, is eating correctly, is getting company. So, you know, I was very lucky with me that my dad's next-door neighbor was a saint. And I would phone and say, you know, Joan, uh, he's not answering his phone. Can you go over and check? So you need the support in the community around them to be able to make sure they're okay. But that distance, Toronto-Vancouver, you know, that's a good five-and-a-half-hour flight. It's a real challenge, and so if if the challenge becomes too much, that's where you get people leaving their job. So you also talked about um, caregiver strain. Can you discuss that? So caregiver strain is typically looked at in in a number of ways. So physical strain, emotional strain, and financial strain. So the physical strain is if you are doing a lot of the caring yourself, You might be lifting, Mm -hmm. you might be uh, bathing, you might be toileting. And that has 
two challenges attached with it. One is they're your parents. And it feels like some kind of, like they have dignity. You want them to have dignity. But on the other hand, it's, it's, it's hard for them and it's hard for you. Um, so the physical strain, and in the book too, I had a lot of people who had back issues they had, you know, and caring really made them worse. Now financial strain, and so uh, then you have this whole home chores and personal stuff. So a lot of caregiving is you go over and you clean the house. You do their yard work. You go and you run around. It's the chauffeuring function. You drive them to medical appointments. You pick them up. Uh, you go to the grocery store, pick them up some milk, pick them up some bread, whatever. Then you have the financial component, which is you manage their books, you pay their accounts, you pay their credit card, you uh, lend them money if you need to. And then the last one, of course, is this emotional strain. And the emotional strain, you feel guilty when you're there, you feel guilty mm-hmm. when you're impatient with them, you feel guilty when, when you're not there. You feel... So for women, emotional strain is all about guilt. For men, emotional strain is all about worry, which are fundamentally different emotions. So men worry all the time. Women just feel guilty all the time. So, so what I about guess men? In that men? way, it's not much different from being a mother, really. <laughs> so what are the men worrying about when they're caregivers? Um, they're worried about the health. They're worried that they'll fall down. They're worried that they're alone. They're worried about all of those kinds of things, where women would internalize it differently. They feel guilty because they're alone, they should be living with me. Because they're alone, I should be there more. So you see, they, it's the same root cause, but gender plays a role in how we, we see it. Linda, did you find any differences in gender in terms of physical care? I mean, one of the things uh, I see often is men who are taking care of wives or mothers uh, when they require, or vice versa, when they require physical assistance. um, Sometimes that's uncomfortable uh, for people. um, And, in fact, sometimes we, in our Sarah Care Centers, we actually have men's support groups um, because we found that men who were taking care of uh, wives or mothers had issues they wanted to discuss privately. They did not want to be in a mixed-gender support group. Um, There were certain issues in taking care of women that they did not want to discuss among other women. I mean, did you see any of that? No, but it's it's what I see that both partners find this role reversal of having to care for somebody that in their mind they respect and et cetera, but having to do tasks that actually are demeaning to the person they're doing them to. So toileting them, wearing diapers, changing diapers, it's, they feel embarrassed that they're having to do it for their parents. But we we found we found that for both genders. Really, that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. it had to do with women that were taking care of, let's say, a father. Yes, yes. Oh. So yeah. how do they handle that? Did you get any information on 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 how they're able to adjust to that and handle it? 
I don't think they do adjust to it very well, to be honest, not with the stress levels we were seeing. Like when we looked at how people coped, the problem is that the things that made it better are things like you just take time for yourself. You just go for a walk. You just, you know, you do something you enjoy. You try to get away from the caregiving situation and not dwell on it and and give yourself time, some time away. But taking that time away, you're constantly, what if something happens? So it's very, very difficult to do the kinds of coping things that you need to do to actually make a difference. Linda, I think I saw in the study that you also asked um, caregivers why they assumed the role of caregiving. We we (laughs) asked a lot of things, eh? Yes. (laughs) Do you remember? Yes, and I remember the answers, too. We asked people. um, (laughs) That's right. That's really good. (laughs) We asked people, did they choose to? Uh, because, you know, they love their parents and it's their family duty, or was there no one else to do it? They were the oldest child or the youngest child. They were the only daughter. They were the one that lived closest. Or they did it because they couldn't get the necessary support, like uh, a place in a, in a nice group home, uh, health care support, etc., And what we found was that a lot of people, because if you choose to do it, and you choose to do it out of love, um, you're better off, you're in a better place in terms of coping with it. But if you feel you had no choice, then in fact, it's more stressful for you. And most of the people we cared for said they loved their parents, but they didn't really want as much responsibility for caring as they actually had. So if you go back to, you guys are both experts on stress. If you look, we look at, people can cope with a lot of demands in their lives if they feel they've got some kind of control over it. But the problem with uh, caregiving is it's high demand, low control. It's low control in a number of different ways, and it's that that makes it so stressful. So it's in continuing to talk about strain, actually what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. um, And then I want to continue talking a little bit about why people become caregivers. And and I want to ask Linda a question about something we see sometimes, not frequently, but we do, where the relationship with the parent has not been good um, and it's been negative and sometimes even abusive. um, And if she has any information about that. And then we're going to ask Linda, to share some caregiver stories with her. She has wonderful stories, um, and I happen to really love stories. Um, (laughs) So we're going to ask Linda to tell us a story or two when we come back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your mom? What's she doing? You'd know if she was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know she's enjoying a full day of activities program just for her interests, like art classes, volunteering, pet care, and card club. And she's home by dinner. And what's different is that Sarah Care actually has nursing care right there with her. So you'd know. Try one free day of care at Sarah Care. Call 330-451-6108. How's your mom? She's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. How's your husband now that he can't quite take care of himself? 
Or how's your wife now that getting around isn't as easy as it used to be? You'd know if your spouse was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. A full day of customized activities and their home by dinner. And nursing care that's right there with them. How's your spouse? Just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Try it for free. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. Uh, we're here with Linda Duxbury, who's the author of Something's Got to Give. And we've been talking about um, people's feelings about why they become caregivers and the impact on their caregiving sometimes of the relationship with their parents. And before the break, I was about to ask Linda um, about situations where the relationships are not so positive. I mean, we were talking about um, caregiver strain and stress and how people feel when the relationship is positive. Linda, we often see situations where the relationship is not positive or the primary caregiver who happens to live in town is not was not the favorite child or they don't perceive themselves as seeing the being the favorite child and so that creates conflict all the way to relationships where people are telling us that the relationships were actually abusive Um, and now they're stuck as they put it taking care of for instance a father who they consider to be abusive so in, in your research did you find those situations and how are people dealing with those types of situations um I was actually surprised just like you I while I didn't have many people caring for their spouse, I had a lot of people caring for a parent that, quite frankly, they didn't like. And uh, and they were resentful. I, the stories were unbelievable. My parent was an alcoholic. My parent is still an alcoholic. My, my mother has mental health issues. She's abusive to me. She's always been abusive to me. My mother always favored my brother, even now when I'm caring for them, for them and uh, spending all my time caring for her. All she does is talk about my brother. Um, and I, that wasn't stress. That was huge resentment. And nobody, nobody disclosed that they hit their, their uh, parent. But we do know there's quite a big incident of elder abuse. And so I would have to suspect that if we put the two together, that people who were forced into caring for a parent who they didn't have a good relationship with and the parent is still got issues uh, would find it very, very difficult. It's very challenging to care for somebody who's got dementia, even when you've got the buffer of a, a real, like, 20, 30, 40 years of love behind you. If you don't have that 
I would suspect it's a, it's a pretty difficult situation for both the caregiver and the care recipient. Yes, it is. So you have lots of wonderful stories in your book, and, and I think stories are great because then people can relate to them. So um, I'll start out. I want to um, talk, talk about Fiona, and I will stress that these are not the real names, they're not the names of actual people that um, <laughs> Linda has changed the names um, for confidentiality reasons. But um, you describe Fiona, who's 40 years old, and she's married with one child. Her child is six years old, and she spends about um, 20 to 30 hours a week caring for her. Uh, for him, I'm sorry. Her husband does some childcare, but it looks intermittent. You know, it's a couple hours here mm-hmm. and a couple hours there. But the main responsible responsibility for her son actually falls on Fiona. At the same time, she cares for her mother, um, who has just had a stroke, and because of that, she has now moved and uh, from the city in which she lived, and she now lives with mm-hmm. her daughter. So, Fianna's spending now about 15 to 20 hours a week caring for her mother, in addition to caring for her son, and Fiona works full-time. And so, and I will quote Fiona from Linda's book, and she says um, that she's very, very anxious because I thought I couldn't deal with all the different things in my life at the same time. My child, my mom, my work, one at a time maybe, but not everything together. I was very tired and as well, I wasn't in control because everything was falling apart. I was concerned about my mom and I was concerned about my son. End of quote. Mm-hmm. I remember her. Um, and there was, a, I don't know if you remember some of the stories too, where people said, you know, they talk about stress at work, but stress at work is the easy thing. You know, stresses at work, they come, they go, but they're different from caring for your family because caring for your family hurts your heart. And I think that kind of encapsulates things. But the problem is there when you need the income because the income often is yet another way we care for our family. So poor Fiona. And there was another mother in it who was caring for her child and caring for her mother, and her mother lived in a different city. And so she was missing her kids' sporting events, his athletic events, his school concerts, and so she, but she, because she had to look after her mother. And no matter which she did, if she stayed and listened to her child, she felt guilty. If she went and, and visited her mother, she felt guilty. It's this whole... It's a very difficult situation. And I think the problem with elder care, too, is the situation ends at the death of our parent. And that's a very, that's a very difficult ending to go through. So, and you can't wish it over because you know that by wishing it over, you're really hoping that they pass. And how horrible is that? Sorry, this is a very depressing topic for, for us to talk about. Yeah, I I will say that as a a caregiver for my own mother uh, after her stroke um, in my my own home, 
you know, it you have to watch very carefully. It's it's uh, suddenly your relationship with your spouse. It's your mm-hmm. relationship with your children, even if they're adult children. I, I mean, I had friends who would say, come on now, you know, I never hear from you. You never see me anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't need any more guilt on top of the guilt I already have, you know. I know. Um, you know, see, you're I know woman. I... You're, you're a woman. There's that guilt word again. I know, I swear, when you give birth, they shoot you with guilt. That's what I they know. do. <laughs> you know, that they is, don't that shoot is fathers with guilt. They only shoot mothers with guilt. <laughs> it's that injection they give you in the hospital, I swear. Right? I <laughs> but they never charge you for. But it it's um it is. It's a it's a very difficult situation. I mean on the positive side, I think I got to have a relationship with my mother um, on a different level in a different way while I was caregiving for her. Except I will tell you, I will share this with with you and and with all our listeners, that after she passed, only then did I realize how exhausted I was. I was just absolutely exhausted. I must have slept for days um, because I was was really physically exhausted. Because it's also mental exhaustion, too. Because you can never really let go of... Of, of being there, and and what I thought was also interesting because it, you know, this book in many ways shattered some of my preconceptions. I had a lot of preconceptions going into this, and many of them were shattered. But the one is often we say, well, the more things that you've got on your plate, you know, so you got work, you got children, you got your your parent, you know, and if things are going. To, to hell in one domain, they're, they're bound to be good in the other, and it balances off. But that's not what I found. I found it was, it was more things slip in one place, then they start to slip in another and another. And um, so it's more, like, it's more like juggling. People, a lot of researchers don't like the word balance anymore. But quite honestly, it is a balance, and it's a juggling act. And the more balls you have in the air, the higher the likelihood one will drop. And when one drops, they all go. So I think we need to really realize. And the the solution, of course, is to give yourself time and to give yourself permission to be frustrated, angry, upset. Go and have a drink, have wine with your friends. Go for a walk with your partner, whatever. But we don't do that. We don't give ourselves breaks. You know, I think that's a critical point, and we talk about that a lot on the show, um, about giving, and I like your words, about giving yourself permission to take some time off, you know, Mm -hmm. to just walk outside for five minutes um, and get some fresh air, or, you know, we always laugh because... You know, some of some of the staffers are going for drinks and wine, and I'm going for milkshakes. So, you know, whatever it is that helps you get through the stress, mm-hmm. um, you need you need to take time and go for that. We've been talking um, to Linda, and we've been talking about the unbelievable work she's been doing. When we come back, we're we're going to talk about how caregiving really negatively impacts employers. I think it's a subject we don't talk about a lot, um, and so I'm very anxious to hear about Linda's uh, research and what she has to say about that. You're listening to Caught Between Generations. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. 
You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. How's your husband now that he can't quite take care of himself? Or how's your wife now that getting around isn't as easy as it used to be? You'd know if your spouse was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. A full day of customized activities and their home by dinner. And nursing care that's right there with them. How's your spouse? Just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Try it for free. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Where's your mom? What's she doing? You'd know if she was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know she's enjoying a full day of activities program just for her interests, like art classes, volunteering, pet care, and card club. And she's home by dinner. And what's different is that Sarah Care actually has nursing care right there with her. So you'd know. Try one free day of care at Sarah Care. Call 330-451-6108. How's your mom? She's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. You're welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I'm Meryl Griffin. I'm here with my co-host, Deanna Albrecht, and we're here with our guest, Linda Duxbury, who is the author of Something's Got to Give. Um, Linda, what is your what did you find about how caregiving um, uh, from employees impacts employers? So the reason I went into this book at the beginning is, to me, in Canada... And in the United States, etc., there's a lot of attention paid to balancing work and childcare. But there's this other whole set of demands, and they're kind of invisible. And when I was doing the research, I found that people would talk in the workplace about their children all the time, but they don't talk about their elderly dependents that they're caring for. They don't talk about um, the stresses, the strains, the challenges, etc. So when you look at it, you have to start bringing this into the open. Because as I said, organizations don't make changes for moral reasons. They make changes because it's a business imperative. So in the book I position, I say elder care is the new child care. We've put in things in place for elder care, for child care, but not for elder care. So here's what we found. People with elder care are way more likely to be absent from work. They're less likely to have the patience to socialize and network with their colleagues. they're, they're, They're really stretched tight. And so when a customer comes in and starts to complain and whine, these people are more likely to go, you think you got problems. They have no patience for it. <laughs> they'll put themselves in their office and they'll just they'll go, oh, my God, blah, 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 blah. You know, these people don't understand that there are, uh, you know, this is a trivial issue. Um, in Canada, most employers 
Uh, we have a benefits package. Most employers offer uh, prescription drugs as part of your benefit package. And we're finding in Canada right now that the, the largest, the, the biggest class of drugs being bought by uh, these prescription drug plans are psychotropic drugs, anti, antidepressants. And if you look at who's spending money on antidepressants, it's people who are definitely people in the sandwich generation. We look at people who are having to go, they, they're more likely to have to go to the doctor. <clears throat> they're more likely to miss work because of childcare reasons and elder care reasons. They're more likely to turn down promotions. Uh, which is very interesting because your listeners, especially employers, need to be aware that the 35 to 45 cohort, if they're in the sandwich generation and you've got them on the fast track to take a, a promotion, they're going to turn it down because they're going to go, no, I absolutely can't do that. They cut back on hours. They control their email use and don't answer 24-7 because often uh, they don't have the time to do that. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, very measurable uh, impacts on productivity, efficiency, and effectiveness, which should be problematic for employers. Yeah, Linda, is, um, is there also a positive spillover between caregiving and work? <laughs> it's the other way around, actually. Well, there is some pos- We looked for that. Um, and what we did find was that a lot of people learn the skills at work that help them with caregiving. So your, mm-hmm. your listeners are going, what could you learn at work? Well, they learn computing skills. They learn web searches. They learn program management. They learn time management. And elder care really is a time management kind of thing in many ways. Um, but we did find that uh, some people actually said, and it was, it was interesting because a lot of them were bosses, said, I learned compassion. I learned empathy. I learned sympathy. I learned that, you know, there are other things in life than work. And I learned that really I have to look at my clients differently. And I especially have to look at the people who report to me differently. So, so there are positives. Linda, did you, um, in your study, did you do any interviewing of employers who are, who are also caregivers? Well, we have larger companies, so the employers who are caregivers, those would be people who run small businesses, entrepreneurs. And uh, I didn't include that in this book, but we've done a, a pro- we've done a study of small business owners, and quite often they have to actually they can't run their business and look after an elderly dependent at the same time. It's impossible because it's like having two children. You know, you've got your child who's your business, and you don't really have the support there, and you have your child that's your parent. So the, that particular group find it incredibly stressful. So do you not find any CEOs of larger companies who are also caregivers or in those situations, oh, I, are they I, in a position to delegate out that care? No, 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 no. Um, it's interesting because people don't delegate out care for a loved one. And that's why I was saying we have to, we have to look at men differently now, especially when it comes to elder care. Um, so we have a lot of managers and executives in our sample. And uh, they found it more challenging because when they were away looking after their mother, 
there was nobody there to look after their workroom. Yeah, that's why I was wondering if, you know, if the situation for the employer uh, or the manager is, is actually different than, than it is for some of the employees. Um, I don't know, you know. I mean, the, on a positive note, the higher you go up in the organization, the more money you have to buy supports to help you. Right. But the higher you go up the organization, the greater your workload and the greater the work expectations on you. The lower so, down you go, the less income you have to buy support, but the less the organization expects of you. Wow. So, Linda, our last question to you is, I mean, what are your findings suggest that employers need to be doing differently in order to support working caregivers? So the first thing is they have to recognize that that's an issue. They have to stop burying their heads in the sand like a, an ostrich and talking about children, children, children. We have to, because we didn't pay attention to the work and child care thing for so long that people now are balancing work and life by not having children. So we better smarten up on this other end uh, as we go there. The other thing is don't think that the policies and, and practices that you have in place to help you with balancing work and child care are going to help people with elder care. So, for example, in our data, it was very clear flex time helps people with children. But flex time doesn't help people with elder care. What helps people with elder care is a compressed work week where they have a solid day off work where they can, because, you know, the interesting thing is, is, your doctors, your hospitals, et cetera, don't, your, you know, the, the different people you have to take your parents to see, they don't want to see you before 8 a.m. or after 5 p.m. They want to see you at 11. They want to see you at 1. And anybody who's ever been to a hospital or a doctor knows that your appointment's at 11, but you might not get in there till 12.30, 1 o'clock, and you might not get out there. So they need a solid day. So compressed work week is, is a really good thing. So is telework. Like being able to work from home makes a difference, more of a difference. Your children interrupt your ability to work when you're, when you're teleworking. But your elderly dependent might be there. They're, they sleep, you know, depending on what's wrong with them. You know, it's probably good for you to be there with them. So we have to look at a very different array of things. And, you know, if you, you did read the book, I can tell, you know, people, we, we would say to people, what have your company done? And they would say, my company has done nothing, but my immediate manager and my colleagues are the most wonderful people in the world. And when it happens to them, I'll be there for them. So we Linda, have- Linda, we're going to have, I'm oh. so sorry because you've been a wonderful, wonderful guest, but we've got to break. <laughs> We've been talking to Linda Duxbury, uh, who is the author of, co-author of Something's Got to Give, Balancing Work, Child Care, and Elder Care. And you can find her book on Amazon and where On Google Play. Ah, Okay. All right. Linda, thank you so much for thank spending Thank you. It was fun. It was fun. Thank, thank you. you, Linda. Thank you, Linda. Take care. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Cut Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.